Beautiful landscapes, sunshine, friendly people, clean. These were my first impressions of Norway as I left my plane and boarded a bus to Oslo. The 80s music playing on the radio really set the tone for this peaceful, carefree society in which I was visiting. It is known for hosting the Nobel Peace Prize, a socialist country and a welfare state. Upon arriving into Oslo Central, I settled into my studio apartment in Dronningsgate, a stone throw away from Oslo's main attractions. Cafes lined the streets and people were very welcoming. Could this trip get any better, I thought. I had a brief tour of Oslo's west side, houses built into mountains which surrounded the city. All was quiet here, peaceful, the views were staggering. Paradise. The next day I went to do some grocery shopping. I was told that Grönland is a nice cheap place to get food. At this point my only criticism of Norway was the superinflated prices. Enter Grönland. Tucked away in the heart of the capital, east of the river Akashava, I found a completely different side of Norway. There were many stores, similar to a car boot sale on a massive scale, at the very entrance into Grönland, which is overshadowed by the back of the 37th floor Radisson Hotel. There was a large mix of people here, mostly from Asian or African roots, but also many Europeans. There were many grocery shops, kebab shops, and generally a lot of life and colour here, and noise. Upon returning from my relatively cheaper shopping experience, I asked a colleague from the NRK, Atta Ansari, over lunch to tell me more about this matter. I've been working as a journalist since 1989, mostly. And uh, uh, working with you know, minority issues has been part of my job for many years. Not always, but for many years. Ago. And I've been seeing, watching you know, this development, you know, that the city the, the capital of the Norway, you know, Oslo, is being divided in two colors. One multicultural and a multicultural society on the east side, the white one on the west side. It's very visible. Upon learning this, I was intrigued as to how it came about. He told me that the problem predated immigration and how the east side was originally the working class side. It offered cheaper housing, which appealed to the first immigrants in the 70s. The depression of the 80s affected Norway and the east side received very negative media. The unemployment was very high in Norway. At that time there was many more stories about the discrimination, racism against you know, the colored people, black people, Asian and Africans, not getting jobs, not being called or invited for a, even for an interview things like that. And there was also many kind of, you know, political activists who were uh, make, uh, dramatizing you know, the whole situation, mm -hmm. calling part of the Oslo for the ghetto. Mm -hmm. It's horrible, you know, that uh, your neighborhood is uh, been mentioned as a ghetto. You know. <laughs> and uh, so I think, but that thing has been, has changed because Oslo is uh, nowhere in Oslo, nowhere in Norway you will find ghetto because ghetto is a very negative thing. It's kind of a slum area. You know. Norway is rich. the richest country in the world. You know. So there's no slum in Norway, not at all. Mm. So you cannot call a place for a ghetto because, only because there are colored people living there. They have all the facilities I and mean, they have the uh, medical facilities, they have the school and all kind of facilities are there. It's not a ghetto, it's a, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. You can say there's a cultural division there. And you can also say it's a socio-economical division there. 
because people in the east they don't earn that much their salaries are low uh, lower than on the west side of course and that and, and the living standard is lower but even that is the the, the top living standard in the world on the east side too so if you compare it with the west uh, oslo it will be lower many people were moving out of the east side Grönland, Grönlöka, etc. As the Swami of the refurbishment that took place to bring people back to the east side. Started in Grönlöka. And they started to, I mean, give license to people to start restaurants, to pubs, and uh, to small musical clubs and things like that. And so suddenly, you know, the, the, the young uh, generation, especially among the white Norwegians, they found out that it's a very kind of cool thing, you know, <laughs> to go to east part of the city. After my eye-opening chat with Atta, I decided to go into the heart of the east side. I visited Nordic Black Theatre and met with artistic director Cliff Mustache after watching an amazingly cultural theatre performance delivered to a very diverse crowd. I asked for his thoughts on how art was bridging the two sides. Uh, the west mostly goes to the, the classic things, the Philharmonic Orchestra, they go to the opera, they go to the classic thing they go, because things that have the reference to, you know. They don't want to see things they don't know about. They're scared to be in a place where they don't know how to behave themselves. So it has to do with the skepticism of people in a sense, the insecurity in a sense. But I think that younger generations, they're trying, they want, you know, because if you do play, like I do play with the Philharmonic Orchestra, I bring rap and break dance in it. There are a lot of young people from the West and even other people come because it was classical music with breakdance and hip hops and rap and all that, you know. So they suddenly they say, Oh man, it's cool man, let's you know. So at the same time you you're taking that you you're taking away the taboos from these people that they think. And I think artism for me I think is because art open eyes, the eyes, the brains of a lot of people make them see that what they're thinking about is not is not reality at all. I also met with young people outside and was eager to find out the so-called East and West Divide from the eyes of the youth of Oslo. I'm from the East Side, you know, um, uh, like I'm from the ghetto part of Oslo, you, you can kind of say, because uh, the place I grew up, there were a lot of immigrants, there were, you know. Um, I met Furhan Shazal Khan, a trainee actor at the Nordic Black Theatre. He told me his views about people from the West Side. Um, so I, I see a difference between the West Side and the East Side. Uh, it's not that I can't hang with, out with a guy from the West Side, but usually guys from the West Side are more into themselves and you know the clothes they are wearing, the, the watch, uh, the shoes, stuff like that. And uh, that's not, you know, I'm not that type. Uh, I'm more into people, like in general. How are you as a person? Rich or poor doesn't matter. It's like your personality that's important to me but it doesn't seem like that's what's important to people on the west side like it's not written anywhere but it's like the river what runs down the middle of the city you have the west side the so-called west side on one side and then you have the east side on the other and and there is like quite a big difference in the the east side and the west side it's like the 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 class, and as we say in Norwegian, which means the working class on the east side, the uh, working class. This was Barney Silliber, a graduate from the Nordic Black Theatre, who currently works there on various projects. 
I asked him about his views on the East-West divide. Sometimes the occasions, job interviews, or you have some friends who live over there, or you, sometimes you end over, you end up on the on the so-called West side, and there it seems like you're more aware of where you come from, where you are. You feel like you, you feel that you are from a different kind of place, whereas you don't feel that certain. You don't have that feeling over here. Here you just feel like you can be yourself. This is my home. I grew up just up the hill here, and, and you know where where culture is everywhere. All you know, all creeds, all races, everything. And you kind of grow up with this mentality that everything is normal. You know, you, you see everything, kind of the thing. But but passing to the other side, it's like the other side uh, behind the castle and so forth. Very nice, but it's uh, it's a lot of a what do you call this? A facade. It's it's a facade, right? It's just a picture perfect and and uh, you know I have friends from you know quite a few friends from that side and they're you know it's just a different mentality all around like family work uh, friends and what that means for you and <laughs> people that I've met now uh, when I'm growing up uh, are saying that well I've never actually crossed the river and been to like that side of the city and my mom doesn't want me to cross the city and doesn't want me to um, go to for example Junerius <laughs> which is yeah it's probably it's just uh, yeah it's strange it's strange to meet people and you know when you're growing up and they're still having like crossed the river and go to the other side. <laughs> this was Evelyn and her friend. Evelyn lives almost on the border of the so-called East-West Divide, but likes to spend most of her time on the East Side. I asked her about her friends from the West Side. I have friends that live on the West Side that I really, you know, that are really close to me, but they don't have that attitude that East is wrong or West is good. It's just they just live there. After talking to these youths, I was eager to find out what the media was doing to help reduce the stigma attached to the east side of Oslo. I talked to an NRK documentarist, Elizabeth Brun, about her upcoming documentary to tackle the stigma attached with globalization inside Oslo. I'm uh, directing a, a, a television documentary series about a valley in the east side of Oslo. Um, in this valley, it's uh, I think half of the population are immigrants and um, it is a valley that is quite stigmatized in the media, the Norwegian media. Uh, it's known for um, you know social problems and crime and, and, and uh, uh, well that is, that is the kind of, of um, stories, news stories that comes from there very often. Um, but but the valley is very diverse. It has a lot of different people. Um, it has a lot of uh, internally in the valley. It's it's the, the the differences are bigger than between the east and the west when it comes to social, economic you know conditions and how people live and how much money they have. Uh, and the architecture is is uh, also very different. You have small wooden houses you have huge um, uh, huge uh, blocks uh, apartment um, complexes so it's it's a very interesting place I asked her if the Norwegian media was helping to bridge the gap between the east and the west sides or was making matters worse 
So I think I think the media, the Norwegian media, is doing both. It's both uh, it's both bridging in some respect, and it's um, also maybe creating unnecessary conflicts because the, the news um, the news are always um, focusing on conflicts and differences and uh, you know what makes a good news story and makes a good story what's entertainment and that is very often the extremes so um, I thought there were a need for um, a television series that was showing the, the more everyday life of people from other countries and a television series that was focusing on what every person has in common with other persons on this planet and that is a need for belonging somewhere and, and a need of finding your own identity and everybody has that in common either if you are Pakistani or Norwegian or, or uh, whatever. I asked her what she thinks the future of Oslo holds and how her story of the multicultural valley will help shape it. The valley is uh, saying something about, telling us something about the future of Norway because we cannot stop globalization. Uh, we are going to continue to move across borders more and more, I think. And it, it will probably be more and more international. So people, the people of the valley can tell us something about how do we deal with it. So there's a... I, I see the valley as the land or the place of, of our future, in a way. They're kind of ahead of us. So here ends my journey. From what I've learned, Oslo is still a growing city, a learning city somewhat similar to the cities in the UK back in the 80s. The youth here are positive that the East and West will blend together like a soup. And I look forward to coming back here in 10 to 20 years and seeing how it will turn out. Will it be a tomato soup or a pea soup? Only time will tell. Culture and uh, different types of uh, backgrounds will intertwine with the West where the money's at and and I don't know, it become like one soup after a while, but it takes some time, of course.